You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back into the Cover 3 Podcast. This is our around the clock series where we bring in experts from 24-7 sports to talk to you about the teams they cover on a daily basis, both on the field and on the recruiting trail. And I'm really pleased to be joined by Carter Baines, Carter of BeaverBlitz.com. That means we're talking Oregon State today. Oregon State fourth-year coach Jonathan Smith, what two and five in a, in a pandemic-shortened uh, and certainly pandemic-weirdened season <laughs> last year. Carter, I'm really happy to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk some football here. Spring camp just wrapped up, so uh, lots of good stuff coming from Corvallis over the last five weeks. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and put 15 minutes on the clock starting now. Okay, so two and five last year. A little bit disappointing, but also just how much of an accomplishment was it for Oregon State to even you know play a season last year? I know with a lot of the offseason, there was some concern that it might not happen. No, yeah. I mean, it was huge. And the Pac-12, of course, was a little more cautious in their approach and waited a while to get into the season. And then obviously it was shorter than a lot of the other conferences. And Oregon State was the only team to, to not have a game rescheduled, I believe, in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, they were... They, they followed their protocols to perfection, limited cases all season. Uh, it was it was a pretty smooth operation, actually, in Corvallis, considering the circumstances. And uh, I think it's a, a testament to the buy-in that, that the players have. You know, the coaches and, and the, the uh, medical staff put in some pretty strict guidelines, and the players completely bought in. And, and uh, you know, guys, guys were following the rules, and, and it really showed because, you know, they I think the most the, the the most players that missed a game, I think, was three or four or something like that. So uh, pretty impressive that they were able to pull off what they did, considering everything that was going on. How consistent was the lineup uh, week to week? I, I know you mentioned they didn't have games canceled, but do they have guys missing large periods of time? No, not really. Um, the only thing that comes to mind was Jermar Jefferson missed a week. Um, you know, of, of course, one of the top pack. Pac-12 running backs there. Um, but out, outside of that, you know, pretty much all of the key contributors were in the lineup week in and week out. And so, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think just kind of the buy-in to, um, to sticking to, to guidelines and everything really paid off for them in that way. In, in looking at, at last year's uh, last year's slate, I mean, only two games were, were, were decided by, by more you know, than, than a single score. So at Oregon State really – did it feel to you like they took a step forward in terms of how competitive they were? Yeah, big time. And it was kind of the same case in 2019 as well uh, over that full 12 game season. I know the record didn't necessarily show a huge leap forward for Oregon state, but I, I gone are the days of Oregon state just kind of being this, this doormat that the rest of the conference walks over. They're competitive against everybody. And that showed this year beating Oregon, uh, having that close game against Washington up in Seattle, these are these are games that Oregon State was losing by 40 to 50 points a couple of years ago. And so while they haven't crossed that that threshold of getting to a bowl game and, and reaching 500, I think it's pretty obvious 
to people who are watching this team on a weekly basis that improvements have been made and and to be competitive against everybody in the Pac-12 is is not easy because you know there are some good teams in this conference and uh, to go in on a weekly basis and feel like you've got a chance to win uh, I think that's you know, the program's in a place now uh, that's that's miles ahead of where it was when Jonathan Smith took over. Is this the year where, where the expectation is is get back to a bowl game? I think so. Yeah, I, I think if last year was if if the 2020 season was a full 12 game season, that would have been the expectation last year. And bringing most of this roster back for another year and bringing in a couple of new guys, I, I think that expect that expectation has to remain the same. Um, and I, I know fans are are eager to get back to the postseason. I know, of course, the coaching staff and the players want to get there because that's something Oregon State hasn't done since 2013. Um, so to bring back most of the the starting lineup on both sides of the ball, I think the Beavers do have the tools to to take that next step. And you know they're competitive now, but to win some of those games that are decided by a field goal or a touchdown, we're we're noticing that as as we go through these Pac-12 previews. A lot of these Pac-12 schools are bringing back just an extremely high percentage of their returning production. I, I would guess that that's because they did have such a shortened, uh, you know, season. So all but the the most surefire NFL players decided to to come back. Who are are some of the most important guys? That maybe the casual college ball fan. Maybe they didn't watch a lot of Oregon State last year because of the the pandemic. Who are some of the folks they really need to know on this team? And then who are some of the real big losses that uh, they're going to have to try to find answers to replace? Well, some of the key returners, I think it starts in the inside linebacker room. So Oregon State runs a 3-4 scheme, so they've got four linebackers out there at all times. And the two guys on the inside, Avery Roberts and Omar Spates, finished first and second in the Pac-12 in tackles last year, respectively. So you're bringing back two of the best defensive players in the conference, statistically speaking. Uh, and so that's, that's huge for the defense because I, I think – if Oregon State's going to progress, it's going to have to start on the defensive side of the ball. And so bringing those two guys back for the middle of your defense and, and to go in and make plays on, on pretty much every play, uh, that's, that's a big time, a big time get, uh, you know, keeping those guys in the lineup. On the offensive side, the wide receiver room is honestly, in my opinion, pretty loaded with talent. Uh, it, you know, a, a couple of transfers coming in, Treshawn Harrison, Micaiah Tung, um, they're both East Coast guys coming over here, uh, and, and a bunch of a bunch of guys returning from last year. Trevon Bradford led the team in receptions last year. He's back for another year. Uh, Tyjon Lindsay looking to have an, a, a breakout year. He had a couple of touchdowns last year, and, and they, uh, a true freshman, Zariah Beeson, was really impressive right. throughout spring. I, th- I think he was the MVP of spring camp, and so I'm I'm looking for him to step into a a huge role on this offense. Uh, but but as far as guys leaving, I, I mentioned Jamar Jefferson just a few minutes ago, and that's a huge loss for the offense. Oregon State has had, you know, all Pac-12 caliber running backs for the last handful of years. And going into this year without Jefferson there, it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint one guy that could step into that role. And so I think uh, I think they could feel his absence a little bit. Because uh, you're you're not it's hard to replace six yards per carry or whatever it was he averaged over his career something in that range and so that's a big loss and then the secondary as well uh, Isaiah Dunn Nashawn Wright both off to the NFL that's uh, that's your your two top corners going to the league and so that's pretty that's pretty hard to fill uh, I, I will say Oregon State has 
kind of made a point of emphasis of recruiting those positions, especially through the JUCO ranks, transfer portal. Um, so I'd, I'd look for some guys to kind of step into those roles right away from, uh, you know, from, from a more experienced standpoint, not necessarily seeing freshmen step into those roles or anything. Certainly a, a lot of interesting stuff there. I, I wanted to hit on on the two transfer receivers uh, who you noted, Makaya Tung, who's a player I, I liked a lot coming out of high school, and we really weren't sure, you know, where he was. He signed he signed Georgia or LSU? I'm trying to remember now. Georgia. 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 Okay. I, I thought he could play receiver, safety, linebacker, you know, e- even some running back if, if he wanted to. Just a, a super versatile guy who was was pretty raw as far as not being all that refined you know, as a receiver. I, there's got to be some upside there. Like that's got to be what, what Oregon State's thinking. Hey, we get this guy in the program. You know, we're able to, to you know, refine his skills as a receiver. And I mean, he he was one of the better athletes on Georgia's team. So you know that that's that's a pretty athletic uh, team they have over there. Uh, and kind of the same way with with with, with Treshawn Harrison. Um, that's their receiver room has got to be up, upgraded athletically at least. I mean, that, that's that's some dudes. Yeah, those are big time pickups for Oregon State, and they've they've kind of used the transfer portal to to their advantage. I think a, a lot more than other teams, and these are kind of the caliber of players that they've been bringing in over the last couple of years. Um, and so I'm I'm excited to see what Tongue brings to the table. You know, he's still really young. Um, I was I was really looking forward to seeing him this spring, but he uh, he came away with a hamstring injury. I, I want to say in the the end of the first week, beginning of the second week of camp. So didn't really get to see much of him, but I do think that he is an impact player on this offense right away. And then you mentioned Harrison got his eligibility at Oregon state towards the end of last season. And then right away was arguably the top receiver on the team goes in, makes a huge play in his first game and 60 yarder uh, leads the team in receptions over those last two games, I believe. And so uh, what those two guys bring to this offense is, is really exciting and I would say that the wide receiver room is it's one of the deepest position groups on this team, especially because of those two guys coming in and, and kind of bolstering the depth there. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the passing game uh, just because of, like you mentioned, the athleticism in that room is, is off the charts. Quarterback wise, uh, still looking at Jebbia. I think so. Yeah. It's the, the spring was interesting because we saw three quarterbacks get a lot of reps in Chance Nolan, who started a couple of games last year when, when Jebby went down with injury, Ben Goldbranson coming in as a second-year freshman now, and then Sam Vidlack, an early enrollee freshman. All three of those guys were really impressive this spring, especially Goldbranson. I, I think he does have a chance to compete with Jebbia for the job this fall. Um, th- the one thing that Jebbia has over everyone else is starting experience. He's won a few games you know, he, he didn't have the luxury of a spring camp because he's still recovering from a torn hamstring, had to have surgery on that after the Oregon game. Um, but he's he's a really good he's a game manager. You know, he, he might not blow you away with his arm strength. He's not going to he's not going to run for a thousand yards or anything like that. But he's he's a great leader. And, and that's what that what this team needs, you know, to win games. You need a guy that you can rely on to go out and make plays and, and kind of make sure everybody's in the right place. And that's exactly what he does. And so. The coaches are really high on him. Um, they're high on everybody in that quarterback room, as they should be, because I think it's a really talented room. But, um, yeah, yeah, I would say entering fall camp, it's probably Jebby's job, but he does have some stiff competition behind him. Defensively, just just looking through some of Bill Connolly's advanced stats, uh, my friend over there at ESPN, uh, he loved Oregon State's offense last year, as I think most people who watch the games did. 
defensively, uh, in particular, the, the run defense uh, was was a concern. Uh, 112th in rushing success rate allowed, 101st in marginal efficiency allowed on the ground, 107th on marginal explosiveness allowed on the ground, and then 113th in opportunity rate allowed on the ground, which is basically, you know, the, how many times are they getting like at least three yards uh, blocked? With the loss of, of two corners to the NFL, which is pretty remarkable for a program like Oregon State, which produces NFL talent, but you know, generally not you know, two draft picks at the same position in a given year, is there hope for the defense that, uh, that they can be a little better against the run to maybe offset some of the losses in the past defense? Well, run defense has been the weakness of this team for the last couple of years. It's, it's kind of been what has held them back from reaching that six-win threshold. And a lot of the defensive struggles in general, I think, start on the defensive line. In that 3-4 scheme, you need some big bodies, you need depth, and and quite frankly, Oregon State just hasn't really had much of either of those things on, on the defensive line. And despite having a bunch of playmakers at the linebacker room, I mentioned the two inside linebackers, but also Hamaka Rashid, who is, who's off to the NFL as well. You know, having those playmakers in the linebacker room is great, but it doesn't do it doesn't do you a whole lot of good if if running backs are getting into the second level on every play. And so making strides on the defensive line is kind of the key to Oregon State success moving forward. And I, I think if the secondary is going to have success after losing right and done, they're going to need help from the front seven to get pressure on the quarterback. And uh, that's, you know, those are two, two kind of key areas where Oregon State has struggled recently is, is getting pressure on the quarterback and stopping the run. And if they want to take a step forward, if they want to make it to a bowl game this year, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to improve on the defensive line. And I have seen some flashes from guys like Isaac Hodgins on the, on, at defensive end. Simon Sandberg came in a couple of years from the JUCO ranks, and they've started to build some depth there. So I do think if they're going to take a step forward, this is probably the year where you're going to see it. They operated at, at a, a pretty aggressive pace relative to their run-pass ratio last year, I think 24th in adjusted pace nationally, uh, but also did a tremendous job of, of not allowing negative plays, uh, a, a, a havoc rate allowed of under 10%, which is, I mean, that's, t- that's top 10 nationally. With, um, with Jefferson gone to the NFL, is the offensive line at least back? Because, like, granted, he's a really good player, but – you don't have a, a, a top ten havoc rate allowed if, if you don't have pretty you know pretty solid blocking up front and and good attention detail as a team. That's actually I would say arguably the biggest strength of this team going into twenty twenty one is the offensive line. So all five starters are back from last year, and this is a group with a ton of experience. Nathan Eldridge at center was a first team all conference guy last year, arguably the best center in the conference. He's back for another year. I believe this is. I want to say sixth or seventh year of eligibility for him. So he's been around, he's got a ton of experience and and he's a proven playmaker. And so to have him back leading your line is huge. And then everybody else at the position, like I said, started last year, Joshua Gray at left tackle. He's a a fourth year freshman. Now he gray shirted, red shirted, got that extra year of eligibility too. Uh, comes back as a, as a second team, all conference guy. And then, and then there's just there's great pieces all across the the starting lineup, and a lot of depth in that room too, actually. And so, uh, a lot of Oregon State's success last year was attributed to the line taking a big step forward. And to to have everybody everybody back for another year, I don't see why they can't take another step forward. And if if they're going to replace the production of Jamar Jefferson, they're going to need a good push up front, and uh, I I fully expect that. 
So Carter, what I'm hearing you say is if they're going to keep this pace up and they're going to keep really good offensive line play, maybe chuck the ball around a little bit more than in previous years, defense losing multiple guys to the NFL, uh, this could be a pretty good over team to, to bet, bet a couple overs <laughs> early in the season until people catch on uh, to, to maybe some of the some of the change in, in attack there. I'm I'm very interested to see what Oregon State does this year. All right, that that's our 15 minutes according uh, to my countdown. Let's kick this thing into overtime for just a couple more minutes. Uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can follow me at Carter Baines. B a h n s is the last name. And then, of course, you know, check out beaverblitz.com. We've got content all the time uh, heading into the offseason here. Lots of great fall camp preview stuff. So go ahead and, and check us out over there as well. Awesome. Carter, thanks so much for joining us on the Around the Clock series on the Cover the College Ball podcast. Really enjoyed it. Guys, follow Carter. Check out Beaver Blitz. We'll do it again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.